epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast. Sekou Smith here in Atlanta, back in the seat. I have a doctor's note, um, literally, for my uh, excused absence for the past uh, few podcasts. Appreciate my man, John Schumann and Sean Powell holding it down here. John Hartzell is always taking care of business. Shu, I'm not going to waste your time or anybody else's time. The NBA offseason, wild and crazy as ever, is already rolling. Um, a flurry of activity on the first day of free agency, the first official day. Uh, and the action is still rolling. People know that by now that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to Brooklyn, as has been rumored. Uh, the other major domino, however, has not fallen yet. Kawhi Leonard has not made his choice, as is probably the most Kawhi Leonard thing to do, Shu. Um, but Hassan Whiteside is reportedly on his way to Portland in a very interesting deal that uh, is kind of indicative, Shu, of just all of the, the changing nature of the league right away here in into free agency. Were you blown away? buy any of this stuff or was it kind of what you expected based on the rumors we had been hearing about, you know, in terms of the major players and where they might be ended up? A couple of things have like really shocked me um, and we can get into them more, but like the Golden State sort of uh, pivoting and giving D'Angelo Russell a, a max contract in a sign and trade deal with Brooklyn, basically trying to get anything they can out of Kevin Durant because the losing Kevin Durant doesn't, it doesn't give them any additional cap space but D'Angelo Russell just doesn't seem <laughs> like a, a, a Golden State Warriors kind of player. Doesn't fit very well uh, with that team very uh, at all. So that one was kind of crazy, you know, because we had been he- hearing about him possibly going to Minnesota, where Minnesota would have to have uh, created uh, or had to have unloaded some salary for that to happen. But that one was kind of stunning to me. This this Heat Blazers trade is kind of stunning to me in that. Um, the Heat in an effort to get under the hard cap, which they will be under in in working a sign-and-trade deal for Jimmy Butler, were somehow able to dump Hassan Whiteside's contract before they found a taker for Gordon Dragic, which is kind of amazing just to think about that. And, and there was all this sort of uh, late Sunday night issues with the a potential trade for or Dallas getting involved in this sort of Philadelphia-Miami-Jimmy Butler action where they uh, apparently Miami thought they were trading Goran Dragas to Dallas, but Dallas thought they were getting two other guys and that sort of fell apart. So Miami's still sort of scrambling to get uh, fine takers for salary and dumping Whiteside's contract to Portland and getting two contracts that don't up to add up to the same amount of money in return helps them get towards that Jimmy Butler trade uh, coming through. But the fact that Portland took that 
I, I understand they, they need a, a placeholder for uh, use of Nurkic, but the fact yeah, that plus Enos Cantor is not. Yeah, yeah, he's a free agent, right? Yeah, exactly. but, but Hassan Whiteside is is a you know a, isn't exactly uh, a sure thing to hold it down uh, for for uh, Nurkic. For but I guess if you're Portland, you, you're betting on his having leadership like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, having those guys in place, maybe you get him to play in, in what's essentially a contract year for him. Yeah, gets I the guess. best out of him. Um, <laughs> I get it, but I mean, I think shoot, if you look at just the litany of deals. Oh uh, yeah, it's just there's so much to go on right out the gate in free agency. Um, so many guys to change teams. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at my free agent list, and I have them like sort of color coded, where it's like players that are staying are in black, <laughs> and players that are going to a new team are in red, and it's mostly red. So it's yeah. like it's mo- almost, I- I'd say, just like eighty percent of the guys that have agreed to deals as we speak at in the middle of the day on July first are going to new teams. Like they're not staying at home. Um, obviously Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, the two biggest guys that are, and Chris Middleton are the three biggest guys that are staying where they're at. So far, we don't know about Kawhi Leonard again. We're Correct. recording this before Kawhi has made his decision to either stay with Toronto on whatever deal he, you know, would prefer or if he's going to leave and, and go elsewhere. And that's going to be fascinating because, well, Toronto, I think, you know, is just, you know, they're going to stay. But the fact that the Clippers and Lakers are waiting for Kawhi Leonard and in waiting for Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers sort of lost the ability to add a second star. You know, they had the cap space perhaps to, to add, add, add additional uh, impact player with Leonard. But basically, all those players are gone, and then the Lakers are still sitting there with just three guys on their roster. It's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma, and that's it. I like the foundation, though. I mean, I like <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> but like, man, they're going to have a hard time filling out that roster. I mean, there are still some some decent players uh, left, but there are a lot of teams, sort of good teams, right now as they stand that still need. Still need some depth. You know, Boston is one of those. The Warriors are one of those. The Rockets are one of those. Although they're bringing back. Um, well, slow, slow down, shoot. Let me slow down. Yeah. Let me slow you down, and All right. let's kind of pick apart some of these things in particular. You mentioned Boston. They lose Al Horford. They lose Kyrie. Obviously, Al Horford goes to Philly. Goes to a division rival and a team that's been trying to get past you. If you're Boston, the past few years. Now you've got the guy who was the backbone and anchor of your team in your defense, especially side by side with Joel Embiid now instead of battling him. And you got Kimball Walker essentially in the place of Kyrie Irving. Does does Boston look better or worse to you now? You lose Aaron Baines as well in a trade. You know, you send him out. I mean, yeah, losing Horford and Baines is huge. I mean, those two guys are just a huge part of their defense. And I mean, what do they have up front? I mean, I assume that they start, you know, Walker, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum at the four, but that's not, you don't have any sort of size options. Uh, really. Yeah, I guess but, Robert Williams could be your theoretically, uh, but I don't. Yeah, know Robert Williams that. theoretically right now is your starting center or Daniel yeah. Tice, who's a restricted free agent who they still, you know, could retain. Um, Marcus Morris is, is uh, out there as a free agent, uh, not necessarily coming back. So up front, they're extremely thin. I, I I would see Kevon Looney as a as a possible target for them because of the Warriors being now so restricted in in how much they can spend with the sign and trade deal for D'Angelo Russell. Um, I, it's going to be hard for the Warriors to to retain Looney. 
I know, but I would I would say that people are forgetting the Warriors had a, had another young big man that looked good before he got injured this past season in Jones. Yeah, but then they you know, but then he was healthy at the end and he wasn't wasn't really playing. He was basically I think their fourth string center. Well, he'd been out for so long. I don't know that you could have yeah. reinserted right. him in it. But let's do let's do this, you. Let's let me do it like this. I'm going to run down the team and you tell me better, worse or same. How about that? All right, let's go. Cuz I I'm I'm very curious how the the balance of power shifts, not just from one side of the the league to the other, but in terms of the conferences. So I'm going to start. We talked about Boston and Brooklyn, obviously. This is going to hit a sore spot for a lot of people you probably know. But what about the Knicks? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, they might be slightly better, but I still see them possibly as the worst team in the league again. I mean, they have nothing defensively. You know, even these guys they've added, Randall, Portis, Bullock maybe is a decent defender, but Taj Gibson a decent defender, but, you know, at the at the you know, nearing the end of his career. Wayne Ellington, oof, uh, you know, and then it's all their young guys. They spell, you know, that spells, you know, bottom three defense to me. And then offensively, I mean, Randall is nice, but, like, they, they have little sort of off the dribble with that team. I, I, I just see them as possibly again the worst team in the league but they're betting on to I me i don't know what um, they're they they're they're betting on on guys who were maybe overlooked or maybe uh i don't want to say underrated because i don't think it's that i think i think they're betting on hey if we do this slow methodical process like everybody else has done that's tried it or like other teams that have tried this same method that maybe we hit on a couple of these guys and they end up being better than than people thought as they bide their time to make a splash, you know, with, with some bigger, that's what I'm looking at the length of the deals. And it makes sense to me if you're the Knicks and you can't get any big name guys to take your money. And that's clearly what happened. Kyrie, Durant, Kawhi, the big name free agents, the the class A free agent, like the real game changer face of your franchise free agents clearly were not interested in going to play for the Knicks. Yeah, but the other thing they could have done with cap space is taken on somebody's bad contract for a year or two and then gotten additional assets and they gotten drafted. They got their own bad contracts to worry about. No, they don't. They have nothing. They have I mean, they really had nothing on their books. They had, they had to get rid no, I'm saying they had to get rid of their own bad contracts. I was, you know, they got rid of Hardaway's deal. I mean, right, it wasn't, but, it wasn't huge in terms in this, of the Max deal. They're in this holding pattern. Like for me, when I look at the Knicks, I see, okay, let's see what RJ Barrett can do. Let's see what Kevin Knox, if he can recover yeah. from a pretty bad rookie season. Let's see if if there's a, if if there's any salvaging Frank Nilakina, um, and obviously uh, let so. let Mitchell Robinson develop. And so you have these young guys. I think you you put yourself on a timeline for three to five years down the road, and in mm. that time, you can acquire more assets by using the cap space you had to take on somebody's bad contract and and take a pick or two along with that bad contract. You know, something that Brooklyn did while they were rebuilding, something that Philadelphia did. You know, in during the process, uh, other teams have done. You take on a bad contract, you get a pick with it, and then you have more assets rather than spending your cap space on veterans that, like Wayne Ellington, okay, he's a good shooter, but he's not. you're not going to develop into him into anything better than he already is. Same thing with Taj Gibson. Bobby Portis, you know, same thing. I, I just don't – I think there are better ways to use your cap space, and I think that's um, – and so they've, they've sort of used up all their – space there's you don't have enough space to say take on Dragic if if Miami was looking to get rid of uh dump that contract 
So worse is what you're saying for the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean who knows? I, I'm, I'm excited about R.J. Barrett. You know, I really am. And we'll see if Knox can get better and Red Robinson can, you know, uh, block as many shots without fouling so often. Right. Um, but, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Sixers better or worse? That's a good question. I think less talented, but better chemistry perhaps. Maybe. Uh, they just don't have better as fit. much off. Like, who's, who's running pick and rolls for this team? You know, Ben Simmons uh, is not a pick and roll guard. He can't shoot. Um, Jimmy Butler was their pick and roll guy. I love Josh Richardson. Like, getting Josh Richardson in that deal is a good move, and they're going to be incredible defensively. Yeah. Incredible. Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Bede. They can have Horford or Embiid on the floor at all times. You know, it's like, you know, with Houston, you have Chris Paul or James Harden running your offense at all times. Well, right. with Philadelphia, you have Al Horford or Joel Embiid anchoring, anchoring your defense at all times, and they will stagger their minutes, so that's the case. Offensively, it'll be interesting. Like, how is it going to work offensively? I guess Tobias Harris is going to be asked to, to handle the ball more often. And I guess with that contract, he better he better be able to handle the ball and a lot of other stuff. For yeah, whereas Richardson, one hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah, Richardson's not much of a a creator. I I think he's a, a terrific two way player. I just don't know where the juice is off the dribble with this team. Um, and maybe it's it's Tobias Harris. And then obviously depth is remains an issue. Although the biggest depth issue, as we saw in the playoffs, was what happened when Embiid left the floor. Well, now you have Horford in that, in that case. And I think that obviously, you know, you don't have to worry about Boban Marjanovic minutes or Greg Monroe minutes when Embiid comes off the floor, you have Horford to to take those minutes, but still depth on the wings and in the backcourt is an issue. Retaining James Edis would be really, really important. He was really good in the playoffs. So we'll see going forward, but there, I I can't imagine them not being the best defensive team in the league. If, Mm -hmm. if all those guys uh, are, are healthy uh, for most of the season. We're going to give the champs, the Toronto Raptors, a pass until we know what Kawhi does. And plus, they're, they're still popping champagne, so they get a break. We'll, we'll <laughs> save them for another date. Um, I'm skipping Chicago, Cleveland, and I want to skip Detroit even in terms of better or worse because I don't know that they're teams that have done anything significant enough to their DNA between the draft and now the start of free agency to really push the needle in either direction. Um, Chicago's interesting. I, I'll say just one thing. Thaddeus Young is a nice little piece that should fit well both alongside uh, Lowry Markinen and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. So that's like a nice little three-man, big-man rotation that I like. And I like In two that. years, I would be more inclined to feel better about it. But I, I, right now, Carter didn't even finish his rookie season. Yeah. Markinen didn't play a whole season. I just I have, I have a hard time getting excited right now about <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't mean that any disrespect to the Bulls, but I'm saying in a league where teams are making moves and instantly upgrading their their rosters to compete in a, in a championship window that is wide open now, clearly because of what went down with Golden State this year, Chicago's not on my radar of teams that I feel like is really locked in and doing something. But in that division, Indiana gets Malcolm Brogdon. I, you know, and I, I've seen a lot of people talking like, that's the big game-changing move that pushes Indiana with Victor Oladipo coming back into the realm of legitimate Eastern Conference contenders. They lost Bogdanovich. Am, am I missing something in, in not understanding why people are so fired up about Indiana elevating themselves? That's a good question. So they lost they lost three starters, Collison, Bogdanovich, 
Thaddeus Young and Corey Joseph, who I think was a is a is an was an important reserve for them. I think now they're 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 counting on maybe Aaron Holiday to be their uh, their backup point guard, and maybe he's ready for that. So you have Brogdon, Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb. Uh, the question is if they're going to try to play Sabonis and Turner together. Like I sort of penciled in Sabonis as their starting power forward with T.J. Warren coming off the bench, right? Because otherwise, I don't know. Like he's still going to have. Sabonis play back up to Turner and and try not to and that's that, that that'll be the big question if those two guys can play together um but I love Brogdon um the Olaf Depot you know we don't know when he's going to be back but they're very good like I think I don't know if they're they're better than they were last year because I, I still like Thaddeus Young was an important piece for them Bogdanovich was an important piece for them yeah Carlson and Joseph were uh, a solid point guard rotation so Paulson retires you know obviously um i mean are you sure that malcolm brogdon is a, i know people have been talking about him like he's some potential all-star caliber player i think he's really good but i don't know that i felt like he's some linchpin to a team being a contender or not he gives them a little bit more off the dribble than than collison like a little bit more juice a little more burst off the dribble than collison and joseph and obviously a very good defender and a very good shooter off the catch. So I think he fits well with Oladipo. I think I like it. I mean, I do. And Jeremy Lamb, Lamb at a reasonable contract too is a, is a, a good addition just to give them depth. I mean, they, they you know, we still got to see what happens with Wesley Matthews, but right. um, they look pretty good too deep, especially when you think that Sabonis and Turner can share the center minutes and you don't have to worry about the rookie center. Uh, I, I won't pronounce his name correctly if I tried. Uh, Big Georgian Junior, baby. That's what I call. Him. <laughs> um, so I, I think they're they're set up to be maybe maybe around the same level as they were uh, mm. last year. Obviously, depending on Oladipo and and when he returns, and then how how good he is when. He... You mentioned you mentioned uh, Jeremy Lamb on a what was the term you used for his contract? Reasonable. Reasonable. Everybody... We're gonna have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Write this down now. John Hartzell, make sure you write it out. We're going to argue later this summer, during, you know, when the days are slower and there's not as much going on. We're going to have an argument and, and run down the list of what's a reasonable contract for guys and what's unreasonable. And I think I that would... unreasonable right net one right now. If you want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it now, but I want to talk about it later this summer. When we have more time. There's a guy that the Sacramento Kings resigned <laughs> that. I don't would, worry. We're I getting to the, we'll get to the Kings, but we're going to have a nice long, friendly debate about what's reasonable and what's not. And we're going to call it the John Lure special uh, <laughs> hang time podcast special, the John Lure hang time podcast special someday off in the next few months when there's, you know, less action flying around, we will argue vigorously about what's a reasonable and an unreasonable contract in the NBA today. Um, the Bucks, out of respect for our producer, um, who's probably still licking his wounds after his boys bowed out, to the Raptors in the playoffs. The Bucks, shoot, do you think they're better, worse, or the same? I mean, they lost Brogdon, so I think they're a little worse. But, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo just gets better every single season. So I think they had to, they did what they had to do to sort of stay competitive. You know, that's the uh, – somebody said it's like uh, overachieving is a tough thing to deal with because now you've got to pay players that – a certain amount of money that you wouldn't have necessarily thought they were worth a year ago, but you know, you've become the number one team in the East and now uh, Brooke Lopez has got to get paid. Chris Middleton has got to get paid. 
Um, I think a lot will depend on uh, Pat Connaughton stepping into uh, a bigger role with Brogdon gone. DJ Wilson. Yeah. Same thing with uh, DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo, yeah. Yeah, those guys are going to have to play a little bit more. And so those three guys. So we'll see. This is when you earn your player development money, too. Uh, Similar to what I think Denver has done the past couple of years. Yes, a great point. Like Connaughton uh, was a was a pleasant surprise last year, yeah. and they got him coming back on a cheap deal. He'll have to get paid next year um, if he if he steps into a bigger role and does so well. And so you know, it, uh, yeah, a lot depends on him. But you got to love the fact that they have Brooke and Robin Lopez on the same team. <laughs> I mean, how could that's, that's that's just a that's that's a disaster waiting to happen. That is a they've won they won the game within the game in free agency by by pairing pairing. Uh, Last time they played on the same team was you know they yeah in, they got college and they got to now find the schedule makers to give them uh, <laughs> a couple of off days around their trip to Orlando so that those guys can can uh, <laughs> can spend some extra time in Disney World and and right. and all be good with the Bucks. The Southeast Division doesn't have as many teams that I think are going to be playoff factors. But they've got some interesting teams. Atlanta's going to be very interesting this year with their young core, see how they grow and develop. Miami with Jimmy Butler is going to be very interesting. Orlando has spent some cash to keep some of their guys in the fold. That's a tough situation where they like – Yeah, they're almost trapped. They made the playoffs and yep. they got to pay Vuce, They, You know, it's it, – it's, do they take a step backward by letting Vucevic and Terrence Ross or one of the other walk – or do they try to keep moving forward? But then now you're you're you know you're paying these guys uh, a lot of money, and you've got a ton of money committed, and you've sort of kept Mobamba sort of on ice a little bit by by re-signing Vucevic and adding even uh, Al Farouk Amino to that uh, front. That line. was the surprising one. Yeah, that's an interesting one because they have Isaac and Bamba around Vucevic and Gordon, who should be a is more of a four than a three. Right. So it seems like a really crowded and even their, their first round pick is a big man too. Uh, Okiki, I think his name is. Yeah. He's, I mean, obviously he's not going to be, he's not going to play, 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 but like, way, yeah. but now like he's playing, he's now as far as the four slash five, he's now behind Isaac Aminu, Vucevic, Bamba, and even Gordon. When you can, he's, he's more of a, th- I watched him in high school. Actually he went to Westlake high school here in Atlanta shoe. He's more of a three to me in the, at the NBA level than he is a four, to be yeah. honest with you. He can actually shoot it from beyond the three-point line already. We'll see how he comes back from that torn ACL. But he's a little more versatile in terms of being able to face, you know, having a face-up game on offense and being a little bit craftier than, than people might think. I, I thought Al Farouk was interesting in that if you're looking at what you need in Orlando, he didn't seem like he fit a, a real need. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, it's an interest. I like him as a player. Yeah, uh, and I think he's a loss for Portland. But yeah, it, it's it's a weird fit. Like, it it seems, and and I think there's a couple of them of these deals where it's like, okay, good player, reasonable contract, but who's he getting in the way of now yeah. going forward? Do we go ahead and administer last rights to the Hornets? Now that Kimba's gone, he was the one reason we had to feel good about the Hornets. And I mean, they buried their own grave with the contracts they gave out. To yeah, that's Batum, what I think. Batum, Marvin Williams, Biombo, who's a trade for yeah, um, in a for yeah Zeller Zeller's contract. I don't think is that bad, but it's you, not that it's that bad. But I'm saying if you if you add all those deals up, yeah, it, as to why you can't keep Kimba, and it's like it's almost like yeah, it's well, it's Kimba's fault. He's getting the max. Well, no, it's not. It's 
the team has to prepare itself for the inevitable when you have a player of that caliber. You know, three and four years out, basically, what has to be done to make sure you take care of a guy who's the face of your franchise. And they, it's like they didn't prepare for it. See, see, one of those contracts right there is what the Knicks could have done with cap space. Yeah. Say, okay, we'll take Michael K. Gilchrist's $13 million contract if you send us a pick. Now, I don't know what the Hornets were willing to do to get off one of those contracts, like how many, what kind of picks they were willing to um, trade. The problem now is that they're probably going to have a lottery pick next year, and, and so maybe they don't want to trade next year's pick because, because yeah, they, they smashed all these lottery yeah. picks. Yeah, it could be a good pick. There are certain teams, shoe that I don't think should want to touch lottery picks given their track record. <laughs> Seriously, some of these teams should be running away from lottery picks. Try a different, try a different avenue because if you, if you go one for seven in your last eight lottery picks, yeah, but you never you know. Want to try something else? You never know, and the and and teams moved up. You know, the Lakers and Pelicans both moved up from from uh, to mid to low lottery all the way to the top of the draft in this, in this new lottery system. So you gotta, even if you're a team like Charlotte, who, you know, won't be terrible, they still have, you know, a, a rotation, a starting lineup, a Rozier, Batum, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, maybe Miles Bridges at the small forward. I mean, they won't be terrible, um, you know, but they, you know, with their pick, they could certainly move up. They're going to be tough to watch. And it's going to be an interesting experiment watching Terry Rozier, who's wanted to be a starting point guard and wanted his own team. Well, he's got one now, but it's not, it's not the job that he was probably hoping for in Boston. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have a ton of cap space next year. It's just yeah. you know, who's going to want to go there. And, and it's not a great free agent class in the first place. So maybe next year they're a team that takes on somebody else's contract in an effort to get more assets. For the sake of everyone's mental health in and around the DMV, I'm I'm just going to scuttle the Wizards to the side right now. Um, I don't I don't even like talking about them. I, I hate it for Bradley Beal, who I was hoping for his sake would be a part of some movement, just to get him to a place where he could maximize his abilities during the prime, physical prime of his career, which may or may not happen. Obviously, in Washington, given all they've got going on, and the Miami Heat, we talked about some of the players that they're parting ways with to you know, to get some things done, to get Jimmy Butler. Does Miami strike you like they do Mishu as a team that's kind of stuck in, in, in a purgatory, really, where they, they want to be good, they, they know the formula to be, to be good and above average, but they're strapped right now with some things that are just limiting that opportunity because they don't have great talent on their roster. They've got really good players and some solid players, but they gave up one in Josh Richardson, you know, who had the potential to be more than what he is. They gave up another in Hassan Whiteside, who they had to give up because he's come nowhere close to playing up to what the investment you know was that they made in him. How, how do you cr- fight your way out of this if you're, if you're the Heat? Well, first of all, give them credit for finding the, a way to add Butler, uh, given their cap situation. Uh, give Andy Ellsberg um, a ton of credit, credit for, for getting – It is Miami. Let's not forget. I mean – True. But like, you know, Josh Richardson's really good. Like, so that's a tough, I mean, if you could have had Butler and Richardson as your wings, that's, that's, uh, you know, I like that a lot more. I still really like Bam Adebayo and this will be his year to really take a step forward. Whiteside is now out of the way. There's no, Hey, let me got to start white uh, Hassan Whiteside because he's getting paid all this money. And if we don't start him, we might lose him completely. He might just become completely disengaged. And so it is time for Bam Adebayo to 
really flourish, I think he could be uh, an impact center on both ends of the floor. He's really skilled, um, really athletic, pretty smart. He's a guy that they'll let dribble the ball up the floor uh, on occasion and get into uh, and get them into their offense or, or, or take the ball to the basket. So I, I it's, you know, it's a lot is on him. Um, and we'll see how the sort of the East shakes out. You know, I haven't sort of tried to put any of these teams in order that will come in, in a few weeks. Once uh, things settle down, we'll do some. Yeah. We'll I think it's too soon to, to worry about order. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, I think they'll be competitive. I mean, they have a great coach. We know that they have Jimmy Butler, Adebayo, Justice Winslow, Maurice Harkless now. I think they're keeping Dragic. I don't know what else they have. They still have to do some work to get under the hard cap if they're doing this Butler deal. Maybe that means uh, trading Olenek. Uh, I think he might be the, the, the last casualty in that regard. So I think they can keep Dragic, and obviously that's important. But yeah, it should be, it, it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be interesting to see Butler now, you know, back in, in running his own team again. And like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the, for the next, you know, uh, 12 months of Bam Adebayo's development. Right. Let's shift to the Western Conference shoot. Golden State, I think, any, by anyone's measure, is, is worse than they were, com, you know, compared to how they started this past season. Anytime you lose a player of Kevin Durant's caliber, there's only, what, two guys in the league you could add that would keep you at the same level. And, and LeBron plays it for the Lakers, and Kawhi will be playing elsewhere. So I, I don't think it's unfair to say that the Warriors are worse, plus not having Klay Thompson healthy for the start of their first season at the Chase Center certainly doesn't make them any, any more formidable than, than they would have been otherwise. I think I do like that the Warriors didn't lose Durant for nothing. But that D'Angelo Russell experiment is going to be fascinating to see how he and Steph coexist with Draymond, especially. Like, you know, Draymond's never been shy about letting a guy know about himself. You know, you you need only look back at he and Kev, Kevin Durant's spat on the bench um, this past season to to know that. So Russell will have to be as mature and grown up as he's ever been to survive this this season with Draymond in his face on a regular <laughs> basis. Um, and no Andre Iguodala out there to sort of... That's, uh, that's another huge one. To huge. be uh, the, the sort of the adult in the room. That's the that's the other part of this Russell thing. In order to do it, they right. had to trade Iguodala, and they basically had to give up on retaining Looney, because I assume he's going to get more money than they can afford from somebody else. Right. And so that's a huge sacrifice. I mean... I know Iguodala is, you know, isn't the player he was just a few years ago and had just one more year on his deal, but like that's a I don't know, that's a it's a sacrificing of your culture, like I said, in order to get something out of the Durant trade. Russell isn't necessarily a fit, but it's it's a contract now that they have an asset that they have that they can maybe trade for down the line. Like right. I think you saw you you do this D'Angelo Russell deal in order to trade him six months from now, a year from now. Sure. Um, you just got to hope that there are enough teams around the league that believe he's worth $28 million a year, because I don't think that's a universal opinion. I don't think, you know, like, I don't think Brooklyn was going to shell out, even right. if they weren't getting Kyrie Irving, shell out $28 million a year. 
That's all right. Hartzell, put him on our list for reasonable or unreasonable. <laughs> we shall see. Like, I, I mean, it'll be, it'll be fun. Like, it'll be fun to see him and, and, and Curry playing together. Um, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. So to see what kind of system Steve Kerr will devise now. Yeah. It's a totally, without the, 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 you know, the turbo booster buttons he's had to, to push in recent years, no clay to push right away. No KD. To push that, you can't push that button when you need it. Um, but it, it'll be an interesting watch just to see what they do. Um, I think the Clippers shoe are same until we know what Kawhi does. I don't care about these other signings or whatever else they're doing. With Kawhi, clearly they're better. Without him, same. Yeah, they lost Garrett Temple, which I don't think is is too huge a deal from that playoff team. Um, obviously, Shea Gilgis Alexander's development is is a big part of what uh who they are going forward no matter what Kawhi Leonard decides he and Shamit both right yeah shoot good point yeah. like if Shamit can be um a little bit more versatile he's more of a uh, when he was with Philly he was sort of a JJ Redick light except that he's more of a he doesn't have the JJ Redick skill of being able to like go on a dead sprint catch the ball and then shoot like he had to be more of a, a standstill so he's got to he's got to make himself a, even more of a threat than he already was <laughs> so Getting Lou Williams on eight million dollars a year is still just amazing. <laughs> um, that that contract I will put in the reasonable. very 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 reasonable category. And they still have Gallinari. Let's. I mean, yeah, I think they're they're solid. It might be difficult to to overachieve as much as they did last year for a second year in a row if they don't get Kawhi Leonard. But if they get Kawhi Leonard, then shoot, they you know put them near the top of the the Western Conference. Right. Um, and like I said, I, I, uh, Gilgis Alexander's development, uh, is huge. He's got to be more of a scorer than he was this past year. He was just more of a, you know, a, a fill in the blanks point guard, but didn't right. do much, a lot of, of, of anything. He just sort of, uh, you know, held his own as a rookie, which is all you can ask for really, um, from a rookie point guard. So his development is huge. Huge offseason for a lot of those young players and a lot of young players around the league. Um, young players uh, being something that the Los Angeles Lakers no longer possess. Um, <laughs> they, they, they are the most top-heavy team in the entire league. Um, you know, you, when you start with LeBron and Anthony Davis, all you can do is smile. But when you run out of options after Kyle Kuzma, like we we literally don't know who else is gonna I think I saw be a, a report, rotation player on that roster. We saw a report once we after we started taping that they're gonna get Troy Daniels on a minimum deal, basically. So that that doesn't affect their cap space at all. Doesn't affect what I just said either. I'm right, gonna... right. Troy Daniels <laughs> is a shooter and not much of anything else. Right, right. So he's not necessarily a uh, starting shooting guard, <laughs> which is something they don't have right now. Nor do they have a starting point guard. And so, you know, it is what it is. It's at least they, they've got a fourth guy on their roster. That's all. Yeah. About that. I mean, when you're starting, when you're, when your rule is made up of LeBron and AD, you almost can't screw it up. I mean, there's got to be a way to construct a competitive team around two of the best, what, five or six players in the league. Um, you, I mean, you got to be able to fill out a roster. Right, but if they sign, say if say yeah, and and 
if they were to get Kawhi Leonard, he takes up all your cap space, and right. then the only thing you have minimum to offer anybody is the room room exception, and mm-hmm. that's not much. So I don't think that's even enough to add like a Danny Green. And so there you're 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 you know scraping the bottom uh, bottom of the barrel. Uh, maybe you get some sort of veterans that are near the end of the career that are willing to take the minimum, but. Now, if you don't add Kawhi Leonard and you still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma, well, then now you have a little bit, you have some money to spend on a Danny Green. But, uh, but you have to hope the Danny Greens of the world aren't all gone by then. Like, yeah, that's true. Depending on how long you have to wait. Right. So, like, when Reggie Bullock uh, agreed to a deal with the Knicks, well, that law, that was a piece that the, the, the Lakers could have used right. to bring back. You know, so it's going to be tough to fill in those holes. You know, maybe there's a J.R. Smith comes on the market if the Cavs uh, wave him at Look, some point. Melo's out there, baby. <laughs> you know the rumors are hot. The other thing is, the, but, but Melo's a four. And, like, and they have LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, and Anthony Davis who all play the four, <laughs> you know, to some, to some degree. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it has to be guards. Like, they need point guard they need a ball handler i thought darren collison would have been a perfect candidate for them sort of on a sort of a, on a mid-level market but uh obviously he's gone and so what else is there i you know the point guard market is uh is tough maybe if they don't get uh Kawhi leonard they can uh, absorb a point guard into their cap space and it be a trade if somebody has one uh or a shooting guard even uh to spare but we shall see. Maybe a Gordon Dragic, you know, if Miami still needs to make that move. Maybe they don't. I still think they're better. I still think they have clearly an opportunity well, to be much better. Well, sure. But a lot depends on the health of LeBron. Like, yeah. you know, where is, you know, what, how does he rebound from that last season, which was obviously his worst season of his career as far as injuries and as far as, you know, like, is he going to play defense? You know, um, Obviously, Anthony Davis will cover up for his defensive issues more than uh, anybody they had last year. But still, Anthony Davis isn't the most. Uh, he's a great, can be a great defender, but is still has lapses on that end of the floor. Like they've, it's you know, good luck to Frank Vogel and just sort of making it, making it all work. They got to go find their their own PJ Tucker type guy. Like they got to go find some dude who's a grimy, dirty work dude. Who yeah, Patrick Beverly would have been great for them, but yeah. obviously he's going back to to the Clippers. Right. Yeah, a, a player like that is is sort of what they need. It'd be uh, crucial for them. A guard that doesn't need to handle the ball that all that much, but can defend. Maybe Tony Allen can come out of uh, retirement. <laughs> I don't even want to discuss the Phoenix Suns for what they're doing to my my man Devin Booker till they get it right. I I don't know what I, I don't know what they're doing. They've done, made some confusing. That's why we're not gonna no. We're not gonna talk, no. We're not gonna. We're not going to punish people by talking about teams like the Suns right now. Um, I do. I am interested in the Kings, though. Shoot, they've they've made enough interesting moves, and they've got enough quality young players, and I'm they've they've piqued my interest in in terms of what I think they might be able to put on the floor this season. I don't know that I would have spent the kind of money that they did on a guy like Harrison Barnes, maybe. Yes, that's the one that was gonna. That's the but, one I was talking about before. Yeah, but some of the other things they've done, I like, and I and I love the opportunity for Marvin Bagley, and and Fox and Giles and some of those young guys to to get better and better with more opportunity. Yeah, the Barnes thing just confuses me. I think he has proven that he's not 
a star of any sort. I don't know how much he moves the needle on either end of the floor, maybe a little bit defensively because he's long and and athletic um, and can guard multiple positions. But I just do not see giving this dude $85 million if you have Bagley and Giles and and even – Bielitsa as a as a placeholder for you know until maybe Giles is ready to be a starter. You know, Bielitsa is on a reasonable contract, seven million this year, seven million non guaranteed uh, next year for twenty uh, twenty twenty one. And so the Barnes thing just I just don't get it. I really don't like it's it's a ton. Like maybe one year as like again like as a placeholder type guy, but four years, eighty five million dollars is just. I, I, that's the one thing that's, I will, I will remain confused. And, and Ariza, we're not sure. Like, I think Ariza fell off a lot last year. Maybe it's just cause he went, he got traded to a bad team and, True. Um, and wasn't motivated or whatever, but there's a little bit of risk in that move given his age and how much it, like I said, it seemed he fell off. And then I love Corey Joseph and I think he's a really good fit. Um, behind and and at some points uh, at sometimes uh, alongside uh, De'Aaron Fox, but again it's another team where it's like all right some yeah. decent moves, but yeah. let's see let's see uh, what Fox becomes, what Bogdan Bogdanovich turns into, what how Bagley develops, how uh, Giles develops. You know those those guys will really determine their ceiling. Really, opportunity to be better is what I like. Um, sure. Uh, at least need to see some light at the end of that tunnel for you as a team. Like, do you have an opportunity to be better than you were? And I think the Kings fall in the better potentially category. I don't know if I'd say the same thing about the Dallas Mavericks. What What would you say? Well, I think they have Chris Stapps Porzingis, who they didn't have last year. Um, and if he comes back close to 100%, um, you know, they gave him the extra time. You know, he maybe could have been cleared near the end of last season. So they gave him the extra time. They added Seth Curry today. Doncic is only going to get better. So, I mean, they only lost Dirk Nowitzki, basically. But Porzingis and Doncic, I mean, it's just, it's those two guys, really. That's just, you know, it's about those. And I think I love Porzingis. I think Porzingis will make them a better defensive team. He he was, he really made in his, when he was healthy with New York in his last healthy season or last healthy half season, he was really an impact player defensively. And so I think that will help. They haven't been a terrific defensive team the last few years. And Doncic, he, I mean, he's just only going to get better. And I think pick and pop with Doncic and Porzingis is going to be deadly. And I, I still, I really like Dwight Powell as a, as a, as a, even a, a frontline compliment to Porzingis, more a rim runner who's always, you know, they've always played well with him on the floor the last couple of years. So and I think he's his extension is a is in a reason is is in the reasonable uh, category if we're going to continue with this uh, theme and then obviously Curry is a great compliment to uh, yes as a starting point guard um, alongside Doncic who's going to be handling the ball most of the time he's a you know a sort of a I- ideal fit yeah I I love the Seth Curry pickup I really do um, I don't know what the Houston Rockets are doing shoe and. I don't know that the Rockets know what they're doing. They they literally could have just run it back with the exact same team and been in a great position to, to win the West next year. Well, they might be running it back with the exact same team. They haven't exactly lost anybody. The problem is that they 
they sort of went all in on this or they had this, you know, Jimmy Butler, uh, these Jimmy Butler aspirations. And in doing that, they put Eric Gordon, Clint Capella and, and PJ Tucker on the trade block. And now you're asking those three guys to come back and be all gung ho about coming back for a contender or, you know, is are they going to understand it's just the, you know, the business of the NBA, or is that going to be an issue that, these three guys who are all in critically important players for you are now coming back to a team that was trying to trade them. So it could get this other guy who's now going somewhere else. Well, I just, I also wonder once you, once guys know you don't have their long-term well-being in mind that you, you'd be willing to drop them in a moment for what you think is a better, a better option or a better player. Do you get the same guts for the greater good play out of them. Yeah. That's what, that's basically yeah, you know, what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like yeah, just, how, how engaged are they going to be going forward with a team that was trying to trade them? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, and Eric Gordon is a guy who's been in some difficult situations before in his career where, you know, his, we've seen his, the best of him, I think since he's been in the Rockets uniform, whereas PJ Tucker strikes me as the kind of guy that he wouldn't care where he was playing. He's going he's going to go all out. And Capella's so young, I don't know what that does to a, the psyche of a player who's as inexperienced as he is right now in terms of, you know, can you can you jolt his confidence back up to where it needs to be to get the very best out of him. It's just a weird situation, especially when you got a a coach, you know, who who doesn't necessarily have the hundred percent support of the owner and, and potentially the front office. They got a lot of weird vibes coming out of the Rockets, you know, program right now that to me, I almost felt like they, they jumped the gun the way they lost to the Warriors in you know, in the second round of playoffs, they almost need to just go away and be quiet all summer, which I know is very difficult for Darren Moore to do. You know, when you see the league changing the way it does, He's he's gonna have that itchy finger to do something. So you know, and you got an owner in Fertitta who's very sensitive to the you know things that have been written about his team and and written about him and how he's you know managing things. I almost wish the the Rockets would have done what James Harden does in the offseason, and that's basically vanish. <laughs> you know, and just and, and not be a not participate in all the all the. 24-hour drama that goes on with this league in the offseason. Yeah, and there's still the whole Harden-Chris Paul thing issue that, you know, uh, Maury and, and CP tried to put the kibosh on shortly after it came out. Would have helped if James Harden had said something. Just from, yeah. from public, you know, yeah. from public consumption, it would have been it would have been helpful. Yeah, so, I mean, so they're, they're sort of on pace to bring everybody back. You know, maybe, you know, uh, they still have some issues to, some frontline issues to, to work out as far as their free agents and, and stuff. But if they do bring everybody back, it's going to be a fascinating chemistry experiment, you know, yeah. as, 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 as bored as we might be with the Rockets and who they are. And, and, and the fact that they've sort of stayed stationary through this uh, postseason where every, or this off season where every, every other team is, is making moves. Um, they're still going to be fascinating to watch just because of uh, everything we've just talked about. The Memphis Grizzlies, I think shoe. Um, are going to be clearly not the same team with a new coach, all new pieces. We don't know which one stay or go. I'm going to mark them down in the worst category, not, <laughs> not with a, you know, with a 
flaming arrow, but just oh, they traded, by virtue of circumstance. They traded Mike Conley. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they lost their best player. Yeah, yeah, they lost the the backbone of their organization in both Gasol and Conley. You know, in the last however many months, it's going to be difficult to be better. Uh, or even stay the to same. see what happens with Iguodala, though. Um, well, he, but I mean, it's John Morant's show now. I mean, he's the face. Right. No, I'm he, just not even with the the future of the Grizzlies. I'm just talking about the future yeah. of Andre Iguodala. And, sure. and if, if he gets a buyout and now is now available Lakers. to work, to go wherever he wants on a in a minimum or, you know. Lakers. On a few, I, it's possible. Um, who, was it, who was his agent when he first came in the league? Oh, Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka. Yeah. Don't, don't overlook it. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Throwing that bone out there to the masses. Um, my favorite offseason by far, draft, free agency included, is our man Griff. Uh, uh, a he 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 killed it. He hired Swing Cash, which is his first <laughs> major home run move. Hiring one of my favorite people in basketball. But then to to get Zion and to get all that they got from the Lakers, and and then to kill it in you know, not only on draft night, but in free agency. I think J.J. Redick is a masterstroke for that team. Yeah, on a, Put, on a, on a, a quote, a, a reasonable deal. Yeah, I mean, 25, just, 26 million or something like that for two years is is a is that dude. People, I, I think we underestimate the impact that he made in Philadelphia, just how important his spacing and his uh, movement, his off-ball movement was with that Philadelphia team. I, lo- I love J.J. Reddick's – and Griff is big on this, so that's why it didn't surprise me. I love the the fiber he puts in the locker room too, which I would have never said that when he was – I'm like most people, I would have run J.J. Reddick over in traffic when he was at Duke. I could, You know, he's one of those Dukies that you just want to choke out because if you're not a Duke fan, you're a Duke hater, basically. But he has grown on me tremendously during his time in the league. I, I, you know, I think he's probably a better player than I thought he was, but maybe even a better person, you know, like a better teammate and dude than I thought he was or would be at the NBA level. And I think he'll do wonders for that locker room. And um, he's, he's he'll be an important mentor for Brandon Ingram. Yes, yes. That needs to sort of recover from his Lakers experiment experience and, mm-hmm. and get his, his career moving forward. Hopefully his uh, blood caught issue isn't, isn't an issue going forward. And yeah, it's a, it's a interesting team, maybe a playoff team, Drew Holiday, Reddick, Ingram, Williamson, Derek favors at center uh, acquired in a trade. Then you got a second unit with Monzo ball, Josh Hart. If they can keep LeVar ball out of the, uh, out of the Mardi Gras ball, they're good. They just got to be able to keep the distractions to a minimum because they got too much going on, too many quality young players that, that are going to need for the organization to be kind of their, their sanctuary from all the hype because there's going to be a lot of hype with Zion. You know that. It's going to bring a different kind of attention. You know You know my favorite move that Griff made this summer? <laughs> he drafted the first Virginia Tech first-round pick yes. in, <laughs> in like – 20, 30 years, maybe. Right. Uh, my man, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who will probably be like a third or fourth string guard right. on that team. But... Or he could be like his cousin and shock everybody. You never know. Yeah, it's true. You um, never know. But he'll have, he'll be fighting for playoff time with the, or playing time with that, uh, with that group. But it's, it's, yeah, they're, they're fascinating. And um, I think Griff did really well with the cap space that he had in acquiring favors uh, Reddick, yeah. and then obviously the the uh, the Lakers trade 
was huge. Is yeah. I mean, they have assets too. I mean, like if if a if a uh, another star becomes available, a disgruntled star becomes available in the trade market. There's not many teams better set up to 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 make a trade than the than the Pelicans are with all their draft picks and young yeah. players. Um, as far as this season, you know, obviously, I don't, you know, we don't know what kind of a player Zion Williamson is going to be as a rookie. You know, if he's going to be able to shoot, if he's going to be able to do much off the dribble. Uh, until we see that, I don't know how. You know, it, it might be difficult to to forecast uh, yeah. them for this coming season. I remember, I remember how I felt when Blake Griffin finally got a chance to play, which was his second year, not his rookie season. Mm-hmm. If Zion has the same kind of Oh, vibe yeah. that Blake had as a rookie, like during his monster rookie year where you stayed up late at night yeah, just to see what kind of highlights he was going to put in, that'll be a victory. He's, you know, cause I don't think he has to be a, a home run as a rookie. And, you know, no, I just think he needs to have more ups than downs and to battle through whatever adversity he's going to deal with in terms of positional issues. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they do to, to shape his body and to keep him, you know, at at the size that he needs to be to be effective at the, in the league. And then I'll be curious to see what he can do defensively in terms of how many positions can he guard in the league. Yeah. Spacing, if, if you have a front line of Ingram, Williamson, and Favors, spacing is an issue, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why Redick is so critical for them. But obviously they're, they're lacking in just sort of straight uh, perimeter shooting. And, but, you know, they have plenty of time to sort of work things out as they, uh, as they build around this sort of young group. The Spurs are a kind of a mystery to me right now in terms of what they're going to be. They got some issues to deal with young players coming back to the fold and DeJounte Murray. Um, I don't, I, you know, I won't say they're a playoff lock, but they probably should be <laughs> given what they have coming back. But I don't know. I don't. They, they, I'm not sure what to make of them right now. Shoot. I think they're probably in the same boat as they were last year. I just, yeah. I just really like the Murray and Derek White yeah. uh, backcourt as a something as a project going forward. I think mm-hmm. that that could be a, a really special backcourt uh, going forward. It's just a matter of you know having the DeRozan and Aldridge and Rudy Gay and those guys around as, as for two more years, you know, is there a, there's a sort of a, a push and pull with present versus future, but yeah. you know, I think Murray and white can also be good players in the present. It's just, um, I'd be curious as if, if they make, as they go forward, if they make moves towards the future or if they're still just trying to keep pop competitive while he's, uh, while he's still around. Right. Um, the, perhaps the most competitive division in the league outside of the Atlantic, the Northwest with Denver to me headlining. I really like what Denver could be, even though I thought the money they gave Jamal Murray was, whew, <laughs> that's, a that was money. that's a lot. But even with that, I mean, I, I really like what Denver's working with moving forward. Do you have any reasons or any reservations about them being another, having another top two, three finish in the West? No. And I, I think, yeah, well, I hope, hopefully the, I don't think it will be. I don't think the Jamal Murray extension will look as bad as the Andrew Wiggins expen- extension uh, looked like less than a year after it was signed. <laughs> um, because yeah, he can obviously do a little bit more than, than Andrew Wiggins offensively, especially 
I'm fascinated to see Michael Porter Jr. I've spoken to you this before. Like, yeah, I watched him at the rookie photo shoot last year, and this was maybe right after he had back surgery or something. And he was, I mean, he looks like a stud, first of all. It just he just looks like a prototypical NBA forward, what you're like looking 6'10", for. 6'10", I'll be sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, it's just a ver- and it looks like he could be a versatile and athletic forward, which is something every team wants. Yeah. And I was watching him shoot three NBA threes at this rookie photo shoot, and he was, like, matching Trey Young shot for shot. And that's Trey Young, like, who was second in rookie of the year voting. His, his old dude, AU uh, point guard, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and this dude hasn't played yet. And, and he didn't play all – like, that was a year – you know, a year ago – as as the sooner the Nuggets were putting him on ice for a year, so uh, I'm fascinated by that. I think Jokic will get better. Like I don't think we've seen the best of him. I like the idea of keeping Millsap around for one more year, mm-hmm. and you know I think you know the the guards could only get better. I mean Gary Harris, uh, Murray, Beasley, uh, Monte Morris, all young and improving. And so if they're healthy, I don't see why like shoot like as it stands, why aren't they, you know, they're the best team in the West that didn't lose anybody. Right. So why can't they be the best team in the West this year, barring, you know, Kawhi Leonard going to either the Lakers or the Clippers. They got some great experience, even though they lost, you know, a game seven on their home floor to Portland, they got invaluable experience, you know, in the postseason last year, kind of a first blush for their young guys in that pressure pack, you know, environment, They'll be better for it this year. And, and again, like you said, being able to redshirt Michael Porter Jr. So whatever you get out of him this year, just as a role player off the bench, the potential is scary, you know, of what, what he could become, how good he could be. You add him to that mix, you know, starting with Jokic and Murray, who are kind of there, you know, 1A and 1B right now. You know, Jokic being the number one guy and, and Murray being number two. They got a lot of potential. You know, keeping Tim Connolly was big you know, because there were teams that would have loved to have snatched away, you know, the guy who's in charge of their front office. So kudos to the Nuggets, you know, for – and give them credit, Shu, for not panicking after losing the way they did. A lot of teams would have freaked out, done you know, and done something crazy. They did not. You know, I think they understood where they were going from not making the playoffs the year before to being a top-two seed this year and getting as far as they did. There's a natural evolution – if you do it the right way and if you're doing it the way they're doing it, where you take some lumps, get back up with that, basically the same group and come back and swing at it again. So good for them. Utah's the other team in that division to me that looks like, and I know you guys were, high, a lot of you guys were high on them last year. I wasn't as high on Utah last season as some of, some of you and some other guys we know around the league were. I'm convinced now. I mean, I think <laughs> with Conley, I really love the fit of a point guard like that with Donovan Mitchell. I think Joe Ingles needs to have a bounce back slash breakout season. And and no favors means they'll have a different dynamic in their front court. But you got Rudy Gobert, you got defensive player of the year back there anchoring everything. Now they look like they might be ready to me to take that next step. Yeah, I like seven seven deep. I like the uh, the Jazz. I like you know, just you got to love their top seven guys: Conley, yeah. Mitchell, Bogdanovich, uh, Ingles, and Gobert. And then off the bench right now, they have Ed Davis and Royce O'Neal. Um, yeah. After that, there's a lot of questions, and so, but they just have a lot of 
do like like Conley and Mitchell off the dribble. I mean, that's I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And then Ingles can even handle the ball and play a little pick and roll as well. And Bogdanovich as 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 mostly as a shooter, but also a guy that can you know he can post up smaller smaller wings as well. Um, they have a lot more offensive creation than they had um, you know just a couple months ago. So. Yeah. That is is huge. Obviously, they lose a little bit of versatility in, in trading Crowder, um, and then Favors, and so. But getting Ed Davis to be the backup to Gobert is 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 big. I think that's that's a, a really important piece to sort of that that keeps them from being sort of feeling empty up front after after Gobert. I'm I'm heartbroken that Portland had to part ways with Myers Leonard, um, <laughs> given the way he finished the playoffs. But I thought. Keeping Rodney Hood was very important for them, having that kind of dude who can come off the bench and score the way he can. Mo Harkless, to me, and Al Farouk were, were valuable pieces for them, but I didn't – covering that team in the playoffs, I didn't feel like Terry Stotts trusted them the way you need to to get to get the best out of them in, in that setting. Um, I think Zach Collins is an up-and-coming young player, so this is going to provide him an opportunity to kind of blossom a little bit. And then Dame – Nobody's talking about it, but to me, you talk about the number one winner in the summer of 2019. Go ahead and look at the number on Dame Lillard's extension on that <laughs> on that robust first, extension he signed. First, first guy to be right. He's on right now, set to be the first guy to earn fifty million dollars in a in fifty a million dollar man. Bow down and salute Dame Lillard. Um, but you know, he and CJ McCollum. Shoe were so locked in and professional in, that, in Portland's run to the conference finals. I know there have been people who are, well, you know, you're going to have to break them up at some point. I'm not sure you can win with two guards that size. You know, CJ 6'3", Dame listed as 6'3", but not as tall as CJ. I think you can win big with those two guys. I just think you got to have the, the exact right group around them and you expressed some reservations earlier about Hassan Whiteside. I agree. I don't know that Whiteside is my pick, you know, to have in the middle holding it down until they get Nurkic back, which we have no idea when Nurkic is going to be healthy and ready to play. Um, right. But I, but I like the dynamic they have everywhere else right now. It's just in the middle. And, and perhaps the, there's, they got some young talent ready to play off their bench. Anthony Simons, uh, Gary Trent Jr., and Sierra Little will be a rookie. They, they've got some interesting pieces that, that make them a different type of team in terms of the athleticism and size of some of these young guys. It's just a matter of they're going to be ready to play. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, with Lillard, McCollum, Hood, even Bazemore a little to, to, to an extent, they have enough guys that can handle the ball so that yeah. when two of those – two of the star guards – or one of the star guards is on the bench, they have enough off the dribble. I'm um, – a lot of people are high on Nasir Little as a, the 25th pick. I'll be, I obviously I don't know much about him. I'll be curious to see him uh, if he plays summer league. Just to, he'll be sort of a guy I keep to keep an eye on in summer league, just as yeah. a a guy who could be an important piece for a very good team as a rookie. And and we'll see. I think Jake Lehman, he's a restricted free agent, is an important piece to to bring back. Yeah, uh, for them, although they are well above the luxury tax so i don't know uh how much there will be they'll be willing to spend if somebody gives layman a decent offer right they they just have a an interesting dynamic to them when 
I mean, I can't think of a a more sound backcourt duo in terms of how healthy they are going into the season and how accomplished they are. You know, there are not many in the league that have done as much and can do as much as Dame and CJ that are going to start the season in, healthy and upright, you know. But they got they have those question marks elsewhere that do make you, you know, give you reason to pause. But Terry Stott seems to be in a good spot too. It's, it's not like there's any – uncertainty about what the direction is. Um, Neil O'Shea is locked in. So it should it should look like continued ascent for the Trailblazers. I don't know if that means getting back to conference finals level or not, but just in terms of how competitive they'll be, I think they're in a good space right now. I don't know if I can say the same thing about Minnesota shoe because I don't know enough about what they got going on right now. They, they clearly uh, seem like they want to part ways with Wiggins. Yeah. Don't what know you, where that's What are you going? building? What are you building in Minnesota? I think they were hoping for D'Angelo Russell, and they struck out in that regard. And, you know, there was all this whispers, though, they had a taker for Wiggins or they had a taker for for uh, some sort of contract that they were able to get rid of. Maybe it was Jeff Teague if they were going for D'Angelo Russell, but no signs of that happening. And so they are – and they traded Dario Saric, who was, I think, I guess a disappointment after he was traded, just wasn't the same player in Minnesota as he was in Philly. Yes, you got to. You, I know how much you loved him before he got to Philly. It's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the good thing is they'll have a healthy Robert Covington back and obviously losing him for a huge chunk of the season um, last year was a tough blow to their playoff chances. And then, you know, is Jarrett Culver a starting small forward in this league right now? Maybe we're going to find out because, uh, you know, it's weird because they have Towns, who I think is ready to win now. Wiggins, who just it hasn't been has been a disappointment. And then they've got some interesting young pieces in Akogi, uh, Culver, Keta Bates, Diop, and so like, are those guys ready to play for ta- for this team to to continue winning, winning, or do they have to sort of pivot with what they're doing? T comes off the books next year, but you know what what do they have? You know what are they going to replace him with? if they're ready to move on, you know, they, this is another team that just has holes up. Like they only have, I'm, I'm just looking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys, eight guys under contract basically right. as we speak. And so this is a team that still needs to, to find some pieces and doesn't have cap space uh, to do it. They basically have the mid-level exception and that's it. So, but it's obviously, you know, they got, they a got lot of questions. Not Rosa's up there putting his own stamp on the organization. I'll be curious to see, how he shapes things moving forward because it's it's they'll have a clear vision about what they want to be. It's just a matter of how you get to it. Yeah, getting somehow getting out of, off of Wiggins' contract would be a would give them more direction, but doing so would probably mean parting with some draft picks. And I don't yeah. know if if that's a better idea, you know, going forward. Last and certainly not least, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Every, on everybody's mind last summer when free agency kicked off and Paul George doesn't take a meeting with the hometown Lakers and decides I'm sticking it out with Russ. We're going you know, to do this thing in OKC. My confidence continues to wane in, in their chances of being championship caliber team. I don't see it, Shu. And I love Paul George, and I know how good Russ is. You know, I know what kind of star power they have. But to me, they're the, they're the cautionary tale for a team that has, you know, two anchor stars 
And then you look at the supporting cast and say, why is this not working? Like why they got these two guys that should be able, you should be able to build around no matter what. And it's not working. I mean, it's just a case of you have this superstar who is just an otherworldly talent who it's tough to build who with the guys around him, you don't necessarily, you're not getting, it's not a, uh, a, a situation where the sum or the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Like you have Paul uh, Russell Westbrook, who's an incredible talent and can do at, at, in, and can win you games, but over 82 games or even over a, a playoff series, he's not necessarily bringing out the best and everybody else yeah. uh, around him just with the way he plays offense. Um, and maybe the way he takes some possessions off defensively, like you have, like everybody would want to have every team in the league would love to have Paul George. Yes. Almost every team would love to have Steven Adams. Um, yes. Terrific player. Yes. Um, but, and, but, and, and like, this is a team that's going to be paying a ton of luxury tax again this year for what looks like, you know, middle of the road playoff team in the West, but just doesn't have uh, what it takes to get forward. Now, maybe with, with, with Golden State taking a step backward with some, you know, questions basically about every team in the West. Maybe they can put things together, but I think it's, it's going to require a little something different from Russell, Russell Westbrook. Maybe yeah. just him being a better shooter, maybe him, you know, being more of a, a real point guard. I don't know if that's possible, but I'm, I won't count them out. And in regard to contending in the West, it's like, yeah, you said, like, we, it's, it, it doesn't seem like they've, they can really fulfill their potential with the way they're constructed. Um, and I think I thought there were whispers about maybe moving off of Adams, you know, and Robertson. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. To get under the, the tax line and just sort of salvage that. But yeah, it's, it's tough. If they're in a tough situation and they're paying uh, a ton of tax for a team that isn't, you know, seems to have a, a ceiling at, at four or five in the West. Yeah. And they're not, they're not a group that looks like they're going to overachieve. I mean, they, they may be just what they are. Which is, you know, being a playoff team, there's nothing wrong with that. But you, like you said, if there's a ceiling on what you can do as a group, yeah, I mean, have, some hard choices are going to have to be made at some point. There's some hope in that maybe, you know, Terrence Ferguson and Hamadou Diallo can take step, steps forward this year. But like I and said – Grant too. I mean, that Grant I thought yeah. was a quality – you know, gave him quality minutes. Right. And they've done well, I think, with player development uh, with those guys. But, like, do those guys have a ceiling individually with with the fact that they're playing alongside Russell Westbrook? Right. right. Interesting. Well, we, we probably went longer than we should have or supposed to, but so what? <laughs> um, you know, it's the offseason. We're only coming to you once a week. So we got to get it all in. Um, Shu, I know we'll. I know you're going to take a little bit of a breather and, you know, get away from this thing for a minute. But we will be back next week. We'll check back in and see if Kawhi's made up his mind by then. This is the most Kawhi Leonard thing ever, by the way, to let everybody else knock out their free agent business like immediately. And Kawhi's like, um, send me a letter, <laughs> and I'll once I get it, I'll send you my response back, and you'll know what my decision was. I mean, kudos yes. to you. Don't change Kawhi Leonard. Don't change. There's a load management joke to be made. There, I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what it is. I'm, I'm getting out of the joke business right now. Um, be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you leave a glowing review. We appreciate you sticking around, rocking with us as always. Again, thanks to John Schumann and Sean Powell. 
for holding it down in my absence. I apologize. But sometimes, uh, you know, life gets in the way of all the fun we have around here on the Hangtime Podcast. Chew, enjoy your few days away. And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. And we'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast.